This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. So you are... You're at a really, really cool intersection, you know, as part of this Foley Entertainment Group, which which I want to get into. You know, there, there's been some interesting and exciting things happening, you know, building basically three brands from scratch, right? In Vegas, you've got these three different sports properties, the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, of the NHL. You've got the, uh, the Henderson Silver Knights of the AHL. And then the Vegas Nighthawks of the Indoor Football League, which I'm interested in as well. So just to kind of like your perspective on these are three, you know, very kind of big systems um, with, you know, different audiences and, and interesting kind of parallels in there. I'm just curious your perspective on what it's like to kind of lead the helm of of marketing and strategy for, you know, three up and coming brands and some some pretty big segments. Yeah, it's been such an incredible opportunity and, you know, one that really doesn't come along even once in a career, um, you know, potentially never mind three times in a career. And then you throw in the market of Las Vegas and Clark County, which never, until the arrival of the Vegas Golden Knights, never had a major professional team in the market too. It just makes the opportunity even that much more unique, right? So, um, really, it's challenging for sure. You know, a steep mountain to climb to to bring three sports franchises and three brands to life um, in in the market, but. The uh, the success and the opportunity and, and really the challenge has been embraced by our whole organization and has been, really been thrilling to be a part of. And, and like I said, really a once in a career opportunity, but to be a part of that and to see it come to life and see the city respond so well to especially the Vegas Golden Knights. But now with the you know the Silver Knights and Nighthawks having success as well in the community of Henderson, um, again really just an incredible opportunity to be a part of. So is there is there some some connectivity between the three? Like, do you? How do you, you know, I think that there's so many kind of, I think there's, I think of the amount of infrastructure and the things that you have to kind of pay attention to and just your focus on those three. How do you view those three things just from a marketing perspective? Do you apply the same strategies across the board? Do you have a different level of resources and support because you've got, you know, the Foley Entertainment Group backing? Like, what's your approach in just overseeing marketing across these three cool brands? Yeah, so it structurally, it's really important that we have, um, you know, we have the connectivity across the three brands. But the fan bases for the three teams are actually very different, uh, which was to be frankly a little surprising that there, we didn't see as much crossover between the Vegas Golden Knights fan base and the Silver Knights fan base. One would think that because they're both hockey teams, a hockey fan of the Golden Knights would be a hockey fan of the Silver Knights. But in terms of just structurally, we have a team that is is really dedicated uh, specifically to the Golden Knights on the marketing side, and then we have another crew that is primarily focused on the Silver Knights and Nighthawks. However, we challenge everybody to have really a panoramic view, as we call it, that we you know we can't just be isolated on one specific property. That we need to find ways to help support, help amplify the various initiatives, and and support the objectives of the three properties themselves. Right, so. Structurally, we're set up in that, yes, there are defined responsibilities. Some of our crew have more responsibilities in one or two of the properties than others, but we are still connected. You know, we're not launching a major initiative or brand campaign or even going through theme night scheduling without the knowledge, input, support, and amplification of, uh, of our entire crew. So 
we're a rapidly evolving team. And as we like to say, the best is yet to come. And, you know, this still really is the beginning of the beginning for Foley Entertainment Group here in Vegas. And so, you know, bringing on three sports brands just in the last six years is uh, has been quite the undertaking. But the response from our fan base has been has been incredible. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to building on that success and continuing that momentum moving forward. Okay. So where did this kind of initial dance with sports marketing start for you? Like, was this something where you you saw a path early in your career? Was it like college where you're like, okay, I see I'm, I'm going down this path? Or was it kind of, you know, a left field opportunity that created something great? Where did the beginning of sports marketing start for you? Yeah, growing up was always a, a fan of sports and probably like most had aspirations of, hey, I want to be a professional baseball player, basketball player, but uh, talent limitations prevented that from happening. But when I was in college, I really was exposed to you know different areas of the sports business, specifically on the communications, media relations, um, athletic department type side, right? So um, following graduation, had landed a job with the New York Jets um, in their public and media affairs office. Um, that was really my first foray into sports and just helped really just cut my teeth and learn the skills and, and, and overall sports business and really just the opportunities that exist within sports. You know, I think there's fans of, of hey, you know, people who, want, who say I want to work in sports just because they enjoy watching or enjoy playing, but they really don't have a, a full sense of the scope and magnitude and really the diversity of opportunities that exist within sports franchises, not just in marketing or comms, but in sponsorship, ticketing, legal, production, right? There's a whole host of opportunities that exist within a particular sports franchise. So my career path just kind of bounced, tried to move up for, you know, for different full-time roles and taking on more responsibility. Um, landed with the Boston Bruins back in 2007. And from there, that was right at the advent where teams were becoming a little bit more self-sufficient when it came to their own content production. And so that's where the content piece and, and started to emerge and work closely with uh, the marketing vertical of of the Boston Bruins organization, and then left there in 2016 to come to Vegas for the opportunity to be a part of the inaugural launch of the Vegas Golden Knights in uh, in December of 2016, shortly after the team name was unveiled in, in November of that year, and then was leading our communications and content team and also our, our broadcasting side too, right? So the evolve uh, the role and kind of my purview continued to expand and evolve, and then this past summer, uh, we had some additional transition and then more of the marketing vertical uh, came underneath my purview and direction. So it's kind of been a, you know, going from location to location, different role to different role while looking to learn more uh, and and assume more responsibility and, and kind of run with it when that responsibility has been delegated. What is the balance like for you now as, cause you, you know, we're in 2022 where you have this piece of storytelling that's always going to be really important around marketing. And then you also have a lot of kind of innovative ways to enhance the fan experience, a lot of technology and innovation. So you you have kind of the old school that you have to remember these core pieces and they're important. And then you have a lot of new innovation and AI and machine learning and all kinds of, you know, interesting things that brands are doing to connect with their customer. What is that kind of dance like with you? Because you want to be at the, the leading edge. You want to be at the cutting edge of these things. And you also can't forget to take some of these really important components of like how we connect with our audience. And so what's that been like for you in 2022 as a kind of visionary marketing leader over these you know, three cool brands? Yeah, and it's constantly looking for ways to evolve and enhance that customer and fan experience, like you said. And there's so many new ways and so so many new platforms. And then the platforms themselves are, are, are changing by the week sometimes, but you know, by the month, um, even by the day in terms of algorithms and how the feeds are working and how the content is being served, right? So 
you need to be as a sports brand and in, in the sports marketing and content field, you need to make sure that you're positioning your group and your team for success in those spaces and also meeting your fans where they are and where they're where they're functioning. So, you know, we're constantly evaluating audience metrics and, and seeing where our, you know, our fans are living and playing and engaging and making sure that we're serving content that is compelling, um, that helps provide partners with monetization opportunities as well to help support the business side. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to make sure that our fans and followers of the Vegas Golden Knights know what we have going on and are, are, are feeling that they're engaged, feeling that we're listening to them um, and are meeting them with where they're playing and where they're listening and where they're engaging. So um, it is a it is a delicate dance and one that is constantly evolving. And now, you know, I think uh, we're going to be getting, talk, you know, talking into the metaverse and, and what Meta is doing there too and just kind of how that's the next frontier of where sports teams and, and brands are likely headed as well. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, our strategy has always been to, to be authentic with our content and make sure that we're, uh, you know, we're providing those opportunities to fans and also our partners that are, you know, kind of in that, that triangle, as we call it, where the content is going to be on brand. It is an opportunity to potentially be monetized from a, from a local partner, and it's serving our fans with great, compelling content that they're going to want to engage with. Mm, I love that. You know, you talked about you know the importance of of innovate you know kind of innovative ways to improve and enhance the fan experience. Are there some examples of things that you've done to yeah innovate around fan experience? Maybe things that are maybe different than you saw in your previous other opportunities. What's some of the stuff you're working on or have seen success with when it comes to innovation and the fan experience? Yeah. So as far as the innovation goes, we've really leaned into the personality and culture of our city and utilize that as a platform to really be the foundation for what our fan experience is at the Vegas Golden Knights. So if you go to one of our games, it, it really has set the standard and is one of the most unique experiences and not just the NHL, but really in all of professional sports. It's a party. It's a spectacle, right? Just like you would expect for, uh, you know, when you're visiting Las Vegas, there's an palpable energy. There's a vibe, you know, party atmosphere and really a spectacle. And, and we really embrace that when creating the different fan initiatives and overall fan experience when you're at T-Mobile Arena, when you're at the Fortress for one of our Vegas Golden Knights games. So that'd be on ice projection, would that be our overall show? All of that plays into, you know, to enhancing that fan experience. On the marketing side from our brand campaigns, just to the different offerings that we have from a from a social media perspective. Um, and then also just you know how we're serving our fans content. We've always looked for, you know, to be one of those organizations and sports brands that others, not just in the NHL, are looking to to see what they're doing, to see what's working. Um, but again, in through all of sports, and and that's really where I, we found success as as again the first first major professional team to be in Las Vegas, and having that unique opportunity to do things differently, be a first mover, push boundaries, because we're a hockey team in Las Vegas. To you know in that in and of itself seems like a contradiction. Uh, you know, a hockey team in a you know today it's going to be 109 degrees, um, and, and here we are you know talking about ice hockey in in the city of Las Vegas. So. That's really where we've been able to, to innovate and find success and, again, create that unique fan experience for, uh, you know, for all Golden Knights season ticket members and our fans. I love that. You kind of, you know, led me to the, a follow-up of that similar line of thought. It's just around kind of, you know, you have experience at, you know, other teams, seeing how things are going in other teams and in other, you know, types of teams, you know, how much... How much time do you spend kind of looking at the rest of the league from a kind of sports marketing leadership view and saying, okay, we're going to, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not like how much, you know, how much of it is spent where we're, 
you because you're talking about the unique stuff you're doing as a as a league and a brand in Vegas. Like you said, it's it's kind of it, it's it's a head turner and like, wait, what's going on out there? So it gives you an opportunity for people to look at you and say, what are you doing? So do you spend a lot of time kind of, you know, looking at other brands and, and, and figuring out, hey, we can actually do the exact opposite of that thing or or do you just take, you know, a page out of the playbook that works broad, broadly strokes when it comes to sports marketing and at this level? Yeah, honestly, Jeremy, we'd like to spend more time doing that. You know, if one thing this long offseason that we've had, uh, not qualifying for the playoffs this year, that's enabled us to reset, recalibrate, look externally for inspiration, for other ideas. Uh, you know, I think as soon as teams and brands think that they have everything figured out, that's when you fall behind. And so our first few seasons, and then you throw in the COVID seasons as well, have just been so uh, just going from one responsibility, one assignment to the next. It's been so fast-paced that oftentimes we haven't really been able to look externally as much as we would like to for that inspiration. Uh, but even just around the you know, the, the sports atmosphere, um, you know, the, in the sports ecosystem, uh, see what other brands are doing prominently. You can pull out so many ideas. I mean, there's so many examples of of brands that are innovating, producing great content that can be applied to to the Vegas Golden Knights, can be tweaked a little bit to make it more unique and more authentic to the Vegas Golden Knights fan base and what we have here, um, you know, in Clark County. So again, to answer your question, we'd like to do more of it. This offseason has definitely allowed us to uh, to accomplish that. And we're excited to to utilize those takeaways and apply them in, you know, for this upcoming season and, and the years ahead. Hmm. What's your experience now in, you know, again, in this, in this, the way the world's changing so rapidly, we're in 2022 in terms of, you know, just building a high performance team, you know, not only like attracting high performing talent, but also retaining that talent, especially in this, in this landscape. What's your approach there? Because clearly you got to have some world-class performers that are, you know, supporting you and protecting you on the marketing side in the org as a whole. Yeah. And, and, and your point there too, and you know, it's not just recruiting, it's retaining. So as far as our, you know, I think now post-COVID, there, there's even a more of a premium and priority on just your culture. What do you stand for? What is it like working for you and with you and alongside you? So that's really, I mean, you know, we've, we've gone through this now as we've built out, um, you know, three sports franchises and, and not just gone through the org chart and structure, but have gone through the recruitment process. And, you know, we've, we've identified and we have our own Knight's Code, as we call it, that that has our core values and, and principles. But we've really extracted three of those qualities, three of those attributes that really apply to whatever role you're, you know, you're looking to explore with us here. Whether it's in finance, whether it's in legal, whether it's in ticketing, sponsorship, marketing, PR. Um, really, those these three qualities kind of transcend our whole entire environment. And I think it's, you know, it's important from, you know, from an employer's perspective is that. You need to be more mindful of of your you know your employees' wellness more than ever right now, and I think there's there's definitely a you know an expectation from employees and and people coming in that this needs to be a you know this needs to be two way traffic when it comes to culture that this needs to be a good fit um, you know for the employee just as much as it is for the employer. So that retention is 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 extremely important. Um, you know I think that that the, the post pandemic world has certainly emphasized that even further and illustrated the fact that companies have to be mindful of it if they're going to want to retain that talent. You know here in Vegas, we've had a lot of success on the business side, so there's definitely more of a spotlight and spectacle on what we have been doing out here. So recruiters come in and and, and look to um, you know see if there's folks that are interested in taking on larger roles in other sports organizations too. So that's been something that we've been dealing with. But talking with industry leaders throughout the 
throughout the sports world here, it's, you know, there, there's been a lot of turnover post COVID and that, you know, employee burnout is a real thing. And, you know, work-life balance is, is more and more imperative and, and more paramount and more critical of a, uh, of a piece of that, you know, employees are looking for and making sure that they can have that. Right. So that, that's been a difficult, um, you know, it's been a transition, not necessarily difficult, but it's been a transition and, and something that employers have to be mindful of now more than ever. So, you know, how does a brand or, or in your case, brands stand out in a city that's just saturated with as many brands as Las Vegas? I mean, you could argue that, you know, the attention that you're vying for in your market there is astronomically even higher than a lot of other organizations and brands outside of that, out of that geography. So how do you, yeah, how do you actually, you know, stand out and get people's attention in a market that's seemingly so loud and noisy with a lot of things that you could be excited about and be, you know, amped about participating in when it comes to Vegas? You know, for us, it's all about innovation and being authentic with our connections to our fan base. So our first brand campaign that we had here was Vegas Born. And so that really helped establish us as a, you know, as the Vegas born team. You know, we were the first team to be in Vegas and, and really the first team that all residents of the city had to, to connect with and really fostered and developed a sense of community here that, you know, talking to residents really didn't exist prior to the arrival of the NHL and the, and the Golden Knights. So it's interesting coming out here, you know, I moved out here in 2016 from, from Boston, which is a very different market, of course, more traditional your, you know, your fandom is passed down from generation to generation. Exactly. I'm texting with my, you know, with my 90 year old grandmother about the Celtics, right? Like that, that fandom is, is, is passed down <laughs> yep. from generation to generation. And here, you know, if you're, if our kids are going to school together and, you know, from Chicago, you know, my kids are going to be, you know, Bruins, Celtics, Patriots, Red Sox fans, and your kids are going to be Blackhawks and Cubs and Bears fans and Bulls fans. And they're not necessarily going to have that connective tissue or that connectivity, um, you know, when they're at school together, those shared celebrations and those shared moments. Um, and again, that didn't really exist here, but there's still such a pride and a, and a sense of, of passion of being from Vegas. And, you know, their locals are quick to point out that, you know, it's not just a city comprised of poker players and blackjack dealers. And while those are, you know, important pieces of the, of the local economy here, and that's not a, a knock or, or anything disrespectful towards those professions that there's just a there, there's a lot more to this city than the strip, and it's a vibrant community of 2.3 million residents with parks and churches and playgrounds and schools. That's a great place to raise a family. What was missing was really that again, you know, that connective thread um, that that sports has now provided. So, um, you know, positioning the Golden Knights as that team as that local team has really helped us stand out, and having those organic, authentic connections with the community that we, you know, that we cherish, and now it's on us to make sure that we sustain and serve our fans and and give them reason to continue to support us so passionately. Um, and then, in addition to that, just the innovation. There's such a high bar of, of entertainment, as you said here, with the arrival of the Raiders, and every major sporting event is coming through this town with an F1 race next year, the Super Bowl, March Madness, all the great concerts, Cirque du Soleil, the residencies from everybody from Katy Perry to Carrie Underwood, Luke Bryan, Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga. I mean, anybody who you'd want to see is here on a on a given night. So to stand out there is uh, is extremely difficult. And then we likely have Major League Soccer coming here. Major League Baseball is explored with the Oakland A's. They've secured a site to potentially build a stadium on there too. So it's continually becoming even more and more crowded. So um, that's the challenge for us, Jeremy, and and uh, you know continue to be innovative, but really it's that authenticity is is the driver. 
And that's that's how wow. we're going to be able to continue to stand out amongst a very, very crowded but exciting landscape. Wow. So you were brought in at the, we're talking early days, Vegas Golden Knights, right? When the brand was just getting started, you you were brought in, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, take us kind of that to that point of like the whiteboard is there. What was the pro, like, what was your approach? Like, what was your process, you know, um, that you took for like, okay, we're, we're starting this, we're starting this thing. It's going to be a team. It's going to be in the NHL. Okay. Eric, what's kind of the first things you're doing? What are your first, you know, 90 days look like? What sort of elements do you want to make sure you have in place? Um, because again, you're bringing something brand new to a, to a really exciting city. What was your, what was kind of your headspace around then? Yeah. So there were multiple parallel paths happening at once and, and we had a, a very short runway. So I was, I was brought on in, in December of 2016. The season started the following October. So it was less than a year for us to get everything going. And there was, there was infrastructure and, and personnel already in place, but really have to give credit to uh, you know, the leadership and you know, our owner and founder, Bill Foley, but also our our team president, uh, Kerry Buboltz, who who really identified what we called our big rocks and said, look, like we can't look to boil the ocean here too. We have we need to set the priorities. Here's what we need to accomplish in this time here. And then he empowered the 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 team leaders, the executive team leaders to execute on that. So with, hey, here are the priorities. Now you're responsible for figuring out how we get there. So for me, uh, you know, we didn't have a, a communications and content and broadcasting staff. So we had to hire uh, you know, 14 people in that time and 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 set the direction, hey, here's what we're looking to accomplish. Here's the skills that we're looking for. And then it, it trickled down from role to role that say, okay, here's what we need to accomplish. You own this, run with it. While having that direct line back up to, you know, to the top of our organization to make sure that we were aligned with those top-down priorities. Um, and then separately, it was just a lot of listening and learning about our, about our fan base and our market. Again, I, I did not come here Knowing much more than you know, being out here for a few, uh, you know, business meetings and conferences, and you know, a couple weekends here and there over the course of my, um, you know, my late twenties. So I, I certainly did not come here as an as an expert in the market. So for me, it was really important to get to know, um, you know, the fan base. A lot of listening. What does our demographics looks like? What do our season ticket members, uh, you know, look like? Everything from profiling to you know, income. Where do they live? Um, are they fans of hockey? Where are they from? So really diving into all that all that data and metrics to to make informed decisions, data driven decisions, uh, in order to better best position our organization and our our team uh, for success. So several parallel paths. You know, we we look back at it and look look back on it, and and, and really, um, you know, it's impressive to see what we're able to accomplish in such a short time. And then you throw in the success of the team on the ice. It really was a magical first season, but. Um, it really started just with that clear sense of vision from our leadership group um, and establishing, identifying those areas that we needed to execute on and then empowering the crew to bring them to life. Yeah, you mentioned the success of the team. I mean, the, the Golden Knights had, you know, amazing success right away as an expansion team in 2017-2018 season. How did that success affect the marketing strategy? And then just the follow-up to that is like, you know, a sports team's success can it can be quite different season to season, and as a marketer, you got to stay agile and adjust marketing strategies quickly. So, as things went really well and things shifted, as things do, you know, what, how did the early success affect you? And then, what do you do to again stay relevant, stay agile, and adjust as needed? Yeah, well, we you know we thought we were going to be better than most of the pundits or experts thought we were going to be that first year, but. Nobody expected a run to the Stanley Cup final. It was such a it was such a magical season, and 
you know, for for us on the in the marketing content team and entertainment as well would put in there is that we just really had to be nimble with, um, you know, changing our approach and what we thought, you know, we, we thought we'd be the lovable expansion team. Hey, we're in Vegas. We're fun. You know, people are going to enjoy coming to the games and, you know, we're, we may lose more than we win, but we're still in Vegas and we're, we, we kind of have a long term vision for success here. And, you know, we're going to we're more positioned, you know, positioning ourselves for success three, four, five years down the road, not necessarily in year one. And then we start out of the gates, uh, you know, with with a great first month. Then all of a sudden, in you know December, we're we're trying to take a look, and we're you know we're beating some of the best teams in the league, and the atmosphere at our at our arena is is just electric and wild. And so, how do we continue to fuel that? So I think for us, that was really the um, you know the fun part about that first year was just that wow, you know, the response to this team is is amazing and far beyond what anyone could have even expected and imagined. So how do we continue to fuel that? How do we create, you know, add to that from a from an in arena experience? How do we support that through retail? How do we support that through our through our content, um, through our broadcast? Really, just looking at every possible touch point, fan experience, opening up practices, and then okay, we're you know in our practices we're going to have a DJ go out there to to make that even a more uh, elevated experience. And so, just that continuing to find ways to elevate, enhance, and improve that overall fan experience, and it just really became this. Um, you know this this really magical combination of a super passionate fan base with a innovative brand that was putting out several different initiatives that just helped fuel and accelerate that um, you know that passion even further. And then you throw the fact that the team on the ice was just rolling through the competition and uh, you know surprising, taking the lead by storm, and then winning the first round. You know, sweeping our biggest rival, getting past the second round, and then winning a you know a conference championship in that first year was just such a you know lightning in a bottle type season that you know for us it was it was it was amazing to be a part of. But um, you know we cannot take credit. We always say too that you know we are the, the fan base is really just obviously a lifeblood of any organization, but particularly for us, right? You know we can play all the loud music, we can have all the lights, we can have the most you know intense ice projection out on there and, and amp up the music. But if our fans aren't bringing in, all of that is for naught. So, um, you know, the fans here have blown away expectations in terms of their overall passion, knowledge, and just the energy that they bring to the arena every night, every home game. So you you also have uh, some additional you know, skills that I think, you know, not not every... Not every marketing leader is going to is going to have this experience, but you, you know, you wrote and directed and produced content when you were with the Boston Bruins. I'm just curious around this part, just the early days for you, like when did you first begin writing, directing, and producing content? Yeah, so that was quite the project to be a part of, and it was really something that we just owned internally, and and we were big fans of Hard Knocks. You know, there were those first seasons with the with the Cowboys, and I remember the New York Jets one in particular um, that that really stood out, and just this this new form of of storytelling that was evolving, that was really bringing fans and um, in, in being able to connect with the athletes and, and the players and the team in such a more intimate and, and, and close personal level that as just an individual consumer of sports content, I love that. Uh, you know, the road to the Winter Classic where HBO would chronicle the month leading up to the outdoor game in the NHL. Um, you really got to see a side and personality of those players there that you hadn't really seen in, you know, post-game media scrums or other social media content um, at that time. HBO also did that with some of their big prize fights, you know, Manny Pacquiao, Juan Manuel Marquez, some of their fights as well that they, uh, you know, same thing, training camp. Let's take a look at what their family lives are like, what they're doing to train, to prepare, what their mindset is. So it really just 
connected fans and audiences with the athletes in ways that really hadn't been done before. So as we looked at it in Boston and said, hey, you know, why don't we why don't we try? We have some great personalities on on our team. We have the support and buy-in from you know, our hockey operations group and our management. Um, let's get a whiteboard together and and put together a pilot episode. So there was a few of us that uh, you know was run and gun. We we had some ideas. We talked to some of the players that we thought would be you know engaging and, and fan favorites that could you know we could tell a great story behind there. Invested in some equipment, some mics that we could throw on, and talk to our equipment staff about getting those on and put together a pilot episode uh, for what eventually became Behind the Bee, which is a which is a franchise that is still uh, going and in, in, in live as we speak here today, Jeremy. So. Um, a really fun project again to, to to think that we knew what we were doing. Uh, you know, we probably didn't, but you know, at least start we we brought in some uh, external, you know, experts in in the production field and TV field that helped kind of steer us in a uh, in a you know direction that was going to position us for success. But um, a really cool project to be a part of, and one that again was started just with a small group internally being like, hey, we think this could be cool. We think we can do it, so let's try it. And, uh, and we did, and, and we got the green light. We showed it to our, I mean, our hockey ops group. The content was great. Then all of a sudden, you know, we're in, you know, we're in the boardroom as uh, GM and coaches and scouts are, are making, you know, impactful moves for the franchise, deciding whether or not to re-sign players or to trade players. And you're getting mic'd up reaction of players after goals. So, and again, showcasing a personality, which is, which is great for the team. It's great for the player, but also great for the fans. Because at the end of the day, you know, as a fan, you wanna you wanna have those deeper connections with your favorite athletes, and the behind the B, those other projects similar uh, to that form, that form of content really helps enhance that. Where do you go to you know just connect with other marketing leaders that you can actually you know gain and share insights with? Because to me, you can't necessarily pick up the phone and call you know a competing team's you know head of marketing and ask them what's happening. But but to me, it also seems like you. You got to have your ear to the ground. You got to know, you know, I would argue that, you know, the role that you have in the industry you have, you kind of almost got to be moving faster than a lot of other marketing leaders in other industries. So, or do you have a think tank of marketing leaders that you're, you're connecting with, or you have folks that you can call up and, you know, you know, talk innovation or talk, Hey, what's happening in two years or talk through just challenges you're going through at the helm of not one brand, but multiple brands. Where do you go for that sort of insight and support? Sure. It comes down to relationships. You know, the NHL does a great job in, in, in terms of having regular calls with, uh, you know, with CMOs and other leaders in, um, you know, in our league where you can draw from inspiration and they, they usually have, uh, you know, a few different discussions and panels that, um, you know, they, from the NHL league level, they may see a team that had a successful activation or, or a unique initiative that they think would be helpful for the rest of the league at large to hear about. So they'll, you know, we'll, we'll have those types of panel discussions there. Um, Sports mm-hmm. Business Journal as well does, you know, has has co- several conferences where you can utilize for networking. I actually just came from one in, in Chicago uh, that was about brand innovation. And you're hearing from leaders from, you know, Frito-Lay, Sleep Number, Duke's Mayo, um, you know, in addition to, you know, uh, professional athletes that are in the VC space and what Meta is up to in NASCAR. So that's really another opportunity just to, to again, look externally, find different ideas, find different inspiration, um, you know, and seeing how other brands, not just in the sports world, are, are connecting with their audiences. What do you think the future of sports marketing is going to look like? Yeah, that's, you know, as, as Wayne Gretzky says, you always want to go where the puck is going, not where it's been. So that's the, you know, that's a challenge for us. Um, you know, I think sports marketing is is always going to be coming down to um, you know the connections with your fans and, and, and your audiences. So 
Uh, I've been so impressed with some of the new content that's come out, whether it be The Last Dance or Tom Brady's Man in the Arena, Drive to Survive and F1. So again, really, I feel you're going to be continuing to get closer and closer to the athlete. And athletes themselves are going to own more and more of that content. I think if you look back at the timeline of of kind of how, you know, sports fans were consuming media and consuming that content, you know, primarily it was TV and radio and newspapers, right? That was that was how you'd find out the box scores in the in the morning and, and get the game recap. And um, you know, more of the lifestyle features would be in in weekly magazine publications like Sports Illustrated, right? Those were the the major players prior to, you know, the advent of of the web. And then all of a sudden, you know, teams were able to to use that as their hub for for content and, and be able to connect with fans that way through their team websites. And then social media comes along. So then teams are able to to play in that space and connect with their fans and, and not just on, you know, through photo sharing, but video sharing and and, and obviously the play-by-play accounts that, that Twitter enables you to provide. But now athletes are becoming more and more, uh, you know, impactful players in that space too. So it, it's becoming closer and closer to the fan um, just with the proliferation and, and really the evolution of social media and how fans engage with their with their favorite athletes and favorite teams. So where do we go from here? Again, I know metaverse is, is, is a hot topic and, um, you know, if you look at just that that transition of and hearing from, you know, meta executives and how they're positioning, it's there, you know, they're not looking to replace or supplant the in real life situations or going to a game. It's just meant to enhance that overall experience, right? So just as if you look at, you know, cell phones, first we we're just able to text, you know, one another with with smartphones and then we we're able to share videos and then we we're able to, you know, have FaceTimes um, for, you know, for conference calls and that resolution, the quality is continually advanced. So now instead of talking, sharing videos, now you're going to be able to actually do things with one another in this virtual world. So, um, you know, whether or not we'll, you know, we'll see how, you know, how it plays out. But again, I don't think anyone is expecting people to go watch a Golden Knights or Silver Knights or Nighthawks game in the metaverse as opposed to going to one. But if you don't have the opportunity to go to a Golden Knights game, maybe that's a cool space to hang out with your friends watch a game together, celebrate together. Um, and, and that's the next step in that evolution of that, you know, those fan connections that smartphones and, um, you know, that have have triggered and, and started and have continued to evolve over time here. And so, um, you know, we're probably may not be unlike where we were in 2009 and in 2008, 2009, when Twitter was just getting going, Instagram was coming on, brands, teams didn't really know how to play with it, but it's, they were low risk environments where you could be experimental. You could try things, see what worked, see what doesn't work. And be able to connect with your fans in in unique, organic, and innovative ways. As you reflect on your time, just specifically with you know the entertainment group and and being head of marketing for those few brands, um, I'm sure there's a lot of you know lessons that you can glean from from that experience. But if you just had you know a favorite failure, you know in your time, there's something that maybe at the time seemed really challenging, but then turned out to be just a great lesson learned, or maybe it turned out to be even better. Um, but do you does something come up when you think about your from the early days joining, you know, communications and PR, and then now marketing? Any kind of favorite failure stick out? Yeah, you know, I think you know one that stands out too is 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 really with how fast of a moving train it was early on. I think we sometimes lost some of that long term strategy and planning that we we felt we were just kind of running and gunning a little bit too much as far as going from you know one responsibility to the next, and we were maybe a little bit lean. From a from a staffing and bandwidth uh, perspective, that we weren't really able to execute on the level that we would have liked, um, and and you know building this this team, um, you know from the ground up, we've been able to recruit such a, a high level of talent from you know from across the world to sports and entertainment 
that sometimes we felt when we were doing our own assessments and, and looking in the mirror that we felt that we could have done better had we had a bit more time or a bit more resources or, or put a little bit more time into the planning. So that was definitely one one takeaway that, um, you know, again, utilizing this offseason that we have here with a little bit more time to, to be more strategic long term helps set that direction in, in putting our people in a, a better position to be successful. Do you have a, a favorite campaign, favorite activation that just really nailed it? Yeah, Vegas born for sure. We think that really the that initial campaign uh, just resonated with the with the fan base here uh, so strongly. And it's now it's transcended Golden Knights hockey. It's now something that is. Um, you know, I have a soon to be three year old son. He's Vegas born, and that's something that isn't just tied to the Golden Knights. It's about a sense of pride of being from Vegas, uh, living in Las Vegas, and and as I was saying earlier, there there is that almost chip on your shoulder from telling people that you live in Vegas uh, because nobody you know thinks that there's actually a you know a community outside the Strip here. So Vegas born for sure has uh, has really cemented and connected this brand and this team with this city in in, in such a strong way that um, has really been impactful, not just for the business, but like I said, has transcended hockey. It's now a a cultural and community-based theme that really resonated with everybody that lives here. That's awesome. Um, Let's shift a little bit here, Eric. So there was an article uh, titled Campaign Trail Beats by Dre Showcases Crossover Between Basketball, Hip Hop, and Ads. Uh, The author wrote... You know, the brand tapped NBA all-star John Morant and rapper Lil Baby to reimagine 20-year-old spots by another company with this modern audience in mind. Um, There was this 90-second spot. They featured this all-star with this Grammy award-winning rapper. And so just what are your thoughts on the effectiveness of this sort of musical branding? So I love this. And and taking a look at this campaign and, and really just drilling into it, uh, just such tremendous execution. So first of all, partnering one of the most exciting young players in the NBA and John Morant with a, an, an up and coming hip hop superstar, uh, you know, a little baby and having them come together in with this incredible piece of content, which if you watch it, it's, it's kind of dizzying, disorienting, uh, but, and then rolling it out during and uh, in, in front of an audience in the Western conference final, just the timing of that uh, is, is, is just brilliant. And just execution wise, it really doesn't get much better than this. So, that type of collaboration, and then you look at just the audience amplification on that. I think um, you're looking at the you know, little baby is close to 20 million followers on Instagram. John Morant just under 10. The Memphis Grizzlies are involved in that. And Beats by Dre, I, I think, is over six six million as well. So if you add up that audience size, you're looking at potentially reaching nearly 30 million viewers just on just on one social platform itself, with a super unique, super compelling piece of content that just catches your attention. As somebody who recalls that spot from 20 years ago with, with, you know, with Allen Iverson and, and Jadakiss, I believe it was, um, you know, so then you're connecting with an older audience as well as that, you know, two of the, you know, the, again, the young stars in their respective industries with, um, you know, in, in hip hop and, and sports as well. So, um, and that's just, again, on one platform, not to mention the amplification throughout YouTube and, and the other channels that it's going to be shared on. So um, love this type of of content, the the sonic musical branding, super unique, super compelling, and you know definitely hats off to, to everybody that was involved in that campaign in that spot. Is this something that you you're looking to implement for the sports teams that you work with? Would love to. You know, we actually have one piece of that I that I that I think is relevant that I can share, and that um, you know our the 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 song that the Vegas Golden Knights take the ice to every home game is called John Wick Mode. Um, it's this kind of techno EDM uh, EDM track that 
it starts off, there's these two kind of heavy bass notes and then kind of a synthesized, distorted, um, you know, note that comes in afterwards. And you could play the first three seconds of that track here in Vegas and everybody knows that it's nighttime. And so that piece of Sonic branding, while we don't have it's our own track, but that is so identifiable with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Vegas Golden Knights fan experience that it's been so effective. And that that really has been just such a, a perfect song for Vegas, for the Golden Knights that, um, you know, not to the extent of, of the example that, you know, with the Grizzlies and Beats by Dre and in um, that instance, but at the same time, a very effective form and method of, uh, of Sonic branding that's been effective for us. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. You know, I, I, one, I got to just make it, I got to make a game now. I mean, I'm planning on going to Vegas in the season, so I'm going to go, I'm going to make a game and I'll let you know, Eric, when I, when I get up there, because I got to, I've been hearing there's magic at these experiences. And so now I just got to go. See, you got to see it for yourself. We'd Um, love to have you. That's awesome. Okay. So uh, the next article is titled LeBron James is officially a billionaire. Uh, Probably not a shocker to, to some folks. Um, but the author wrote about, you know, LeBron James, this, you know, 18-time NBA All-Star, four-time NBA champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, has hit this big milestone, right? Doing something that no other NBA player has ever done. Um, just monster year of earnings. I mean, he's done a lot of things. So as far as North American sports leagues go, you know, the NBA seems to be in some ways leading the way when it comes to marketing its stars. Case in point, LeBron James becoming a billionaire. Um, what lessons can other sports like hockey and, and baseball learn from the NBA's playbook? You know, and how much of you know, the star power play into the marketing strategy for the Vegas Golden Knights? Yeah, and the NBA has done an incredible job with with marketing their players, and, and the player themselves have done an incredible job taking that to the, to the next level. And as we were talking about earlier, Jeremy, the, the connection that individual athletes can have with their fans now is is closer and deeper than than ever before. And LeBron James is a is a primary example of that I mean he, you know, with his following, you know, across all platforms, 125 million for him on on Instagram, I and mean, that puts him up with global icons, you know, with Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi. I mean, th- that that is the highest level of 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 fan engagement and fan audience size in all of professional sports. So, um, just an incredible level that that LeBron is at right now, and you know, the NBA, such a global game, you know, even going back to Yao Ming and, and the success that he had with with introducing the game um, to, to China. And then, you know, the, the league has followed suit with hosting games over there. Teams have done, uh, you know, trips there previously. And just emphasizing just the global nature of their game has been really successful for the NBA. You know, for LeBron, I mean, he, he's an icon. And, and look at the success and just the consistency that he's had since coming to the league in, in 2003. I mean, it's it's incredible the level that he has played at. Over the course of that, uh, over that team, four NBA championships. I believe he was, um, you know, Finals MVP in all four of those, in all four of those wins, and just the level that he's been at. And I think the NBA does have some advantages just inherently in the in the sport with that, the high scoring nature of the game. And you know, as a fan watching a guy like LeBron, I mean, that guy could make, you know, he could score forty points a, a game and eleven rebounds and ten assists and you know a handful of blocks and and all those plays as a fan as a viewer you 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 can recall those, um, you know in, in other sports like hockey in particular, you know a superstar may have you know may make twenty plays but you may not see you know maybe he may only have one goal of those of those twenty great plays so um, you know there there's some inherent just inherent advantages that the NBA and, and basketball in general has to that star building and star power. Um, but uh, the league itself and the players have, have done a remarkable job in, in terms of amplifying that. And I think from, you know, 
hockey culture is, has always kind of developed the reputation of, you know, being a little bit more, um, you know, kind of avoiding the spotlight. And if you look at, I'm not sure if Jeremy, if you're, if you're a hockey fan, but you know, how many of the, you know, the best players as a casual fan would, would or even a, you know, a, a passionate fan would be able to name and recognize in hockey just because of the equipment and the, you know, the shields and helmets that even goalies, right. You know, how many times you're able to see those. So I think, um, you know, the league right now is fat. The NHL right now is faster than ever. It's more skilled than ever. Um, players like Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, who's who's a generational talent, Sidney Crosby, who's still elite, Alex Ovechkin, the greatest goal scorer of our generation. So there's definitely the the star power there, and 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 it's improved and been amplified in in recent seasons. But we'll never get to the level of the NBA globally. You know, I think that's definitely aspirational, but will be a challenge. Um, but I think the NBA uh, definitely has learnings and takeaways that all leagues can look to, and, and LeBron in particular is such a uh, you know a ridiculous milestone to hit, but one that is deserved for a global icon and one of the best to ever do it. Oh, that's amazing. So, can you give us a rundown of the Foley Entertainment Group's portfolio, uh, and then how have you adapted to these multiple industries that the Foley Entertainment Group is involved with? Sure. So, the Foley Entertainment Group is is quite diverse and. As we say too, it's just the, we're at the beginning of the beginning with Foley Entertainment Group. So we'll break down just the different verticals and and assets that we have. So we talked about the you know the sports properties here in uh, in Nevada with the Vegas Golden Knights, Henderson Silver Knights, and Vegas Nighthawks. Uh, we also own and operate three different facilities here that are the homes to the Golden Knights and Silver Knights. So City National Arena has, has two sheets of ice, has community programming, uh, ice hockey programming around the calendar year in the Summerlin community of Las Vegas. Uh, Lifeguard Arena in Henderson, which is the home of the Henderson Silver Knights, their practice facility in uh, in the community of Henderson, which is the southern part of, of Las Vegas. So again, community ice hockey programming around the calendar year there at Lifeguard Arena. And then the Darlone Center, which is our new 6,000-seat venue that's home to Henderson Silver Knights home games, Nighthawks home games, as well as concerts, other event programming that uh, that takes place throughout on the calendar year as well. So that's a brand new facility that opened up here in March and is again home to the the Silver Knights and Nighthawks. And then we have a, a whole other vertical in, in the hospitality space that has uh, three hotels. We have one an hour outside of Portland, Oregon and Dundee, the Black Walnut Inn and Vineyard. Uh, there's a 16-room property in Healdsburg, California, which is in uh, wine country in Sonoma, uh, Hotel Lamar. And then 121-room property in Santa Barbara, the Hotel Californian, which is a block from the beach, luxury five-star property right there in the, in the heart of Santa Barbara. So those are our three hotels. Uh, there's a mountain. We have a uh, uh, Whitefish Mountain up in Whitefish, Montana. Um, that's a ski resort. And then um, two luxury lodges that are, that are a big piece of the full entertainment group portfolio. One in Deer Lodge, Montana called Rock Creek Cattle Company that has a great golf course horseback riding, fly fishing, really just an outdoorsman and sportsman's paradise, sportswoman's paradise there in, in Deer Lodge, Montana. And then going to Palliser Bay, New Zealand is a Fari Coho Ranch, which again, another luxury lodge property that is uh, a short helicopter ride from Wellington there in New Zealand. Um, that is uh, another luxury resort destination as a part of our, our Foley Entertainment Group portfolio as well. So very diverse, very broad um, there's some other assets involved there too, and you know, with our wineries, uh, Bill Foley has, and just close to 30 wineries that go from the Pacific Northwest through Central Coast California, Napa, Sonoma, um, even into Argentina and uh, in France as well around the world. So, 
our challenge at the Foley Entertainment Group is to find that connective tissue, those through lines that can organically connect the, the, the properties together through, through experience. And that's how we found that success is, is finding ways to kind of create, cultivate those unique experiences where fans, customers can experience our different properties, visit our different properties and, and have access to um, you know, different deals uh, and an overall elevated uh, time and journey when they go out and visit. Oh, great. Awesome. Okay, let's shift into some uh, lightning round questions, some fun questions. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it. Okay, cool. So these are lightning rounds. Just try to you know, be as quick as you can. Think, think on the fly, which I have you know, no issue, I have no challenge that you'll be doing that. Um, first question, we've got Eric on here. Okay, Eric, is there a certain sport that you love to play? If so, what sport is it and why do you enjoy it? Well, the obvious answer here would be hockey, given who I work for, but I'm going to go a little bit of a different path and, and say basketball. Uh, basketball, I, I do enjoy the most. Growing up, some of my best friends uh, were guys that I played with in high school and you know, even from, you know, from little kids growing up. So I think even now, still playing pickup, um, it's a good little pr- reprieve from the day-to-day here. I'm still probably a little bit better at basketball than I am at hockey, so I'm going to go with basketball for me, Jeremy. Okay. Last time you tried something new. Last time I tried something new, so I always like to diversify the the, the workouts and, and cardio and doing different physical activities. So I recently picked up kickboxing classes. So not not necessarily looking to get in the octagon or the ring anytime soon with those skills, <laughs> but uh, definitely from a, from a cardio perspective and um, you know utilizing some uh, different techniques and form uh, is something that I recently picked up that I've enjoyed. That's awesome. Uh, what's a life lesson you learned the hard way? Life lesson I learned the hard way, I would say uh, striking the proper work-life balance. I, I think uh, earlier on in my career, um, had some relationships and missed some things in my personal life at the, uh, you know, because of work responsibilities that I'm um, you know, looking back on certainly helped, you know, advance in the career. But I think, um, you know, would have rather gone to a, a friend's wedding than, you know, game 32 of the NHL season, looking back on it, probably would have, you know, tried to make arrangements to, uh, you know, to be at that, at that event. So I'm definitely more mindful of that now. And even with our staff really try to instill that, um, you know, ability that, Hey, we don't need to miss things that, you know, there's things that are more important than our careers in sports. And so, um, you know, finding that work-life balance, um, you know, is definitely something that I've, I've learned uh, the hard way, but um, have gotten better from it. Okay. What's an activity that makes you lose track of time? Uh, I would say hanging out with my soon-to-be three-year-old. Uh, you know, it's so much fun, and just seeing this age now, where he's walking and talking and running around and picking up sports, and you know, being able to watch sports with me now. Um, oftentimes, you kind of look at the clock, and it's oh, it's dinner time, or oh, we get to get you in for for a snack, or running around at the playground and everything. So um, that's something that I really enjoy and and uh, lose track of time doing. I, I share that one with you. We've got we've got twin twin two year old boys, and then we have also two four year olds at our house. So just to give you perspective of what happens at, at our casa during the it's it's wild yeah. and all the things you can imagine. How's the sleep for you? <laughs> you know we've got we've got some routines in place, Eric. So you know we have we have a support and routine. So it takes a village, which which we have, and we, you know we're we're thankful that we've got some got some routine. But it's a uh, it's never guaranteed, as you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Max didn't know we had a podcast recording at eight and was up at uh, four forty-five this morning. So, there you, we- <laughs> yep. there you go. Yep, I get it. Yeah. Um, if you okay, so let's say you know tomorrow, crazy circumstances, the whole marketing team's gone. 
It's just you. You've got to build a team from scratch. What is the first role you're hiring and why? So if we're looking to be self-sufficient, the first role that I'm hiring from a, from a brand standpoint is going to be a creative director. Uh, the creative director, we're going to do it all internally. We're going to develop our brand look and feel and lead with that. And that's going to be the driver for our entire strategy. So to have a, a person who can come in and bring that vision to life creatively uh, would be most important for me. Okay. So here's a bit of a doozy. Would you rather lose all of your old memories or never be able to make new ones? Oh, this is a hard one. Believer that that's still the, the best is yet to come. So while it's been an incredible ride and journey to this point, uh, I want to see what's, what's going to be out there in the future. So I'll forego the previous memories in order to make new ones. Okay. I like that answer. Well said. Um, if you had access to a time machine, where and when would you go? Yeah, I think I'm going back way back to uh, prehistoric times. Let's go. Let's go see oh. what dinosaurs. Jurassic Jurassic <laughs> time we're up to. So we're, we're going to go all the way back there. Prehistoric times. Okay. Got it. What is success for you today? What is success for you? Uh, so I think I think success in whether it be personally or professionally is at the end of an event, looking back and being satisfied with your performance, knowing that you made an impact, a positive impact on somebody else you were with, whether that be a, a partner, whether that be uh, a child, family member, or in the workspace, a customer or fan. Um, and that you, you you plotted the course, you set your strategy, you set your intention. And at the end of that event, you look back on it um, and you had success, not just because of a particular outcome or a business outcome, a business objective, but you made a positive impression and a positive difference in somebody else's life. Mm. What is your favorite app on your phone? My favorite app on my phone, uh, Spotify. So whether it be from from oh. podcasts or just um, you know the music, whether at, you know at workout or just trying to get through some additional work at home, um, having a good time, um, you know, with the family, with friends. Um, you know, for me, the the, the playlist is is important, and uh, I probably most well, that's my favorite app on the phone, is Spotify. Okay. I thought you were going to see ESPN. I was going to be all in on you saying ESPN. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's say we got we to gotta be diversified too. ESPN is, uh, is definitely top three. Okay. All right. Um, what is the skill that you believe everyone should have? Empathy. Great answer. If you could effortlessly pick up a new skill in an instant, what would that be? It would have to be something musical. I do not have much talent in the end, uh, whether it be playing, singing, or even dancing. Uh, so I, I would say, uh, being able to, to play an instrument, I would go with guitar. Okay. Okay. And last question, Eric, what is one thing you would like to do this year that you've never done before? I'm a big soccer fan as well. Uh, I've never seen an English Premier League game. So I would like to go see Man City play, uh, Man United, get to see the new acquisition, Erling Holland and Kevin De Bruyne and see those guys in person. Out in, uh, out in Manchester, England. So that's where I would go to uh, to go see Man City play in person. I'll see you there. That's a great one. That's a fantastic one. Cool. Eric, thank you so much for being here. This was an incredible conversation. We are uh, grateful and honored for you. Wishing you the uh, just much more continued success for the whole, the whole brand, every franchise, man. Just incredible leadership there. So thanks for being here. This was great. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Enjoyed the conversation. We'll see you out in Vegas soon. 